welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Tuesday of the 31st week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service. Grant, we pray, that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. In your minds... You must be the same as Christ Jesus. His state was divine, yet he did not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself to assume the condition of a slave, and became as men are, and being as all men are, he was humbler yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross. But God raised him high, and gave him the name which is above all other names, so that all beings in the heavens, on earth and in the underworld, should bend the knee at the name of Jesus, and that every tongue should acclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. My vows I will pay before those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and shall have their fill. They shall praise the Lord, those who seek him. May their hearts live forever and ever. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. All the earth shall remember and return to the Lord. All families of the nations worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's. He is the ruler of the nations. They shall worship him, all the mighty of the earth. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. And my soul shall live for him, my children serve him. They shall tell of the Lord to generations, yet to come. Declare his faithfulness to peoples, yet unborn. These things the Lord has done. I will praise you, Lord, in the assembly of your people. Alleluia, alleluia. Come to me, all you that labour and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. 
Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. One of those gathered round the table said to Jesus, Happy the man who will be at the feast in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, There was a man who gave a great banquet, and he invited a large number of people. When the time for the banquet came, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come along, everything is ready now. But all alike started to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a piece of land and must go and see it. Please accept my apologies. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and am on my way to try them out. Please accept my apologies. Yet another said, I have just got married and so am unable to come. The servant returned and reported this to his master. Then the householder, in a rage, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, said the servant, your orders have been carried out and there is still room. Then the master said to his servant, Go to the open roads and to the hedgerows and force people to come in to make sure my house is full. Because, I tell you, Not one of those who were invited shall have a taste of my banquet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The first reading which we have today is truly magnificent. It's um, a hymn, if you like. Uh, St Paul here in his letter to the Philippians is quoting a hymn that was probably known to the Philippians already. It's a great way to teach by means of songs. I mean, you know, when you got a song, you, you know the words pretty easily, right? You know, when you're listening to the radio and you're driving along, suddenly one of your favourites comes on, the words just come out of you without terribly much effort. I mean, the people next to you at the stoplight might not appreciate that you're able to belt out the song word for word, but there it is nonetheless. So you can well imagine that in the early church, they've got these forms of hymns, ways to remember the mysteries that has been taught to them. So that when Paul leaves Philippi, for example, he can write back to them and go, Remember, his state was divine, yet he did not cling to his equality with God. All of a sudden, the essentials come flooding back. Now, this hymn has a certain structure to it. St. Thomas Aquinas refers to it as exitus and reditus in Latin, right? The exitus being the Son of God coming out of heaven, being incarnate, being born into the human family, suffering and dying, all of this being a downward motion from heaven down to earth, the exitus, the the leaving of heaven. But this is in favour of the reditus, the, the returning of heaven, that Jesus, having accomplished his mission on earth, having redeemed and restored humanity, rises to new life and ascends into heaven. Reditus with humanity. And in this downward and upward motion, the work of our redemption is accomplished. The exitus and then the reditus. All right then, so let's have a quick look at the text that St. Paul gives. It starts off with the first acknowledgement. His state was divine. Now that word divine, of course, relates to God. 
colloquially, we tend to use the word divine as something really, really good. You know, we can describe food as being divine, but that's not quite right. Formally, the word divine means that it relates to God. And so, the state of the Son was divine. God is the Father, He is the Son. And just as an ordinary natural human son derives his humanity from his Father, so too the Son receives his divinity from God, his divine Father. His state was divine. You know, the Nicene Creed describes it like this, that he's God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and begotten, not made. He is consubstantial with the Father. He is the same kind of substance as the Father. In other words, his state was divine. So there you have the Son, who shares equality with his Father because his state is divine. Yet, he does not cling to this equality with God. And instead, he empties himself to assume the condition of a slave and became as men are. Here comes the exitus, that the Son enters into the human family by becoming as men are. He takes flesh from the Virgin Mary and is made man. We call this the mystery of the incarnation. The mystery that the Son took flesh and assumed the condition that we all possess. What tremendous humility then the Son has to leave the glory of heaven and to take on this condition of a slave. So when we consider where the Son has come from, the facts of the story of Christmas start to shine out a little more brightly. The humility of the stable, the poverty into which he is born, stands in such stark contrast to the glory from which he came. The fact that his birth is thrown into turmoil because of Caesar Augustus and his census. The fact that King Herod can chase him out of his bed in Bethlehem. Who are these fake kings compared to the son who has come from heaven? who has humbled himself in such an extraordinary way as to assume the condition of a slave, to allow his glory to be so hidden. And yet, the exitus is not yet finished. He has not yet emptied himself fully. Because being as all men are, he was humbly yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross. There we see rock bottom. Jesus has gone all the way into the darkest depth of humanity, which is the tomb. And he has done this by means of the most shameful and ignominious of deaths, death on a cross. And so the Son descends not only to assume the condition of humanity, but goes into the very depth of humanity, because he is humbly yet. So why does he do that? Why this most extreme of exituses, this most extreme of self-emptying? Because that's where we are. Because we stand in need of saving. Jesus has come down into the hole into which we'd fallen, so that he might lift us up. After all of this exitus, finally comes the reditus. 
because God raised him on high, raised him to new life, and raised him back to the heights of heaven in the ascension. And because of Jesus' self-emptying love, God has given him the name which is above all other names, so that everything that comes from God the Creator must now acknowledge the great work that has been accomplished. Everything that is not divine, everything that is not God, all beings in the heavens, on earth, and in the underworld must bend the knee at the name of Jesus. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So whether you're an angel or a saint, or the lowliest creature on earth, or even Satan himself in the depths of hell, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow because of what Jesus has accomplished by means of his self-emptying love. The exaltation of Christ comes because of his humility, because he humbled himself and was humbly yet, even to accepting death. And St. Paul puts this whole mystery in front of the Philippians precisely because he is exhorting them to the same kind of humility, that same kind of self-emptying love that Jesus showed, which is the cause of his great exaltation. In the couple of verses that come before this great hymn, Paul says this, There must be no competition among you, no conceit, but everybody is to be self-effacing. Always consider the other person to be better than yourself, so that nobody thinks of his own interests first, but everybody thinks of other people's interests instead. And then here comes the kicker. In your minds, you must be the same as Christ Jesus. Why? Because his state was divine, but he did not cling to his equality with God. And so St. Paul points firstly to the great mystery of our redemption, we are enfolded in Christ's self-emptying love. But it also then means that we don't need to be in competition with one another. We do not need to cling to our own dignity. We do not need to grasp after worldly honours. We can empty ourselves too. Because in Jesus, we too have been raised up to new life. And there we will be exalted. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment 
receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.